act of labor reminded me of being blackout drunk. My body kept going even though my mind's eye shrunk to a tiny slit. I could only see what was right in front of me. I couldn't take anything else in. And there was no control or self-consciousness to a lot of what I said or sounds I made. And a lot of it did not make sense. I started getting insider drunk magical thinking thoughts too. Like somehow sneaking a tube of nipple cream into my coat pocket would really help the pain and like I was getting away with some big stuff by doing it. I remember laughing to myself while zipping up the pocket. That'll show them, I thought. Who's them? I have no idea. I also remember thinking my doula and husband does not know this yet, but I am so going to have a C-section. Hot Vomit, a Ferrochrome podcast. At one point, I talked nonstop, giddily to the doula. She was sitting on my bed, and I sat cross-legged as far back into her bedroom closet as I could get. I loved the small spaces, and I rocked around spastically with her clothes covering my eyes like Sia. The doula looked at me concerned. I can't tell if this position is helping you or making things harder, she said. I smiled even bigger with the dry cleaning bag stuck to my messy bun hair and responded like a valley girl. Popsicle, please. Popsicles tasted amazing. I did not want to eat anything but popsicles. At the doula's insistence, though, Jay fed me some soup. So around 9 p.m., roughly 22 hours after going into labor, That number includes early labor for all the people that don't count that, and I don't know why you wouldn't, and about roughly 40 hours without sleep. Jay started spoon-feeding me some of the crock-pot squash-slash-lentil-slash-veggie soup I had made for our big labor love fest. In the background, I could still hear the five-and-a-half-hour-long labor playlist I had painstakingly made basically start a third time through, and the song seemed sinister, rather than encouraging. I did not want any food at all, but ended up feeling very grateful that Jay and the doula insisted that I got some fuel in. Most of the soup would dribble down my chin as a contraction came on, and I'd moan into the hushed darkness of our room. Jay's bedside table lamp, the only light, everything else in the apartment dark. I was feeling pretty tired out by this point. I started asking for a break. If I could get a 20-minute break, I'd be able to handle this so much better. I took Jay into my drunken, magical confidence. I need 20 minutes, I said. Get me 20 minutes. Then I can do this. Contractions were a little less than five minutes apart, and it took what seemed like such a long time to get to this five-minute-apart milestone. Oh man, and that giant's fingernail, which had been throttling me for almost a day now, really picked up its speed. Jay persevered, though, and got an entire bowl of soup into me. And I'm ever glad he did, as I didn't know that I still had eight hours to go, a distance a bunch of popsicles wouldn't be able to cover, and that this climb I was on was about to get steep fast. After the soup, I smiled at our doula and then side-mouth asked Jay for drugs. And I realized both of them seemed to be keeping whatever drugs there were in the world to themselves. So I think it was around 11 p.m. that I decided to get the show the fuck on the road. It had been a full 24 hours of the shit. I was done. My drunken magical thinking told me I had one direction left, the hospital. 
So for the first time in hours, I stood up. The pain intensified and felt like a bulging sack of jellyfish in a big descended bag was punching out of me. No, scratch the jellyfish and make that piranhas. The pressure was unreal on my abdomen, my hips, my thighs, but I was determined. I grabbed at a pair of semi-clean sweatpants off the floor and a mismatched pajama top. I was wearing a big white nursing bra and sopping wet white leopard print maternity underwear underneath my mismatched clothes. I didn't know if my undies were wet from pee, amniotic fluid, or sweat. Likely all three. Previously, I had carefully chosen a red tie-dyed sarong for my labor outfit at the hospital. I thought it would be beautiful, and I had watched so many YouTube videos on how to securely tie a sarong. God damn it, what the fuck was I thinking? I think we had even used the sarong to help clean up some of the mucus plug off of our carpet. Our doula tried to talk us out of going to the hospital. She said, you still have a long ways to go. The plan we had agreed on was for me to get as close to 10 centimeters dilated as I could at home and then go to the hospital to push. But unbeknownst to the doula and Jay, my new plan consisted of one thing only, a C-section. While the doula and Jay talked in hushed voices, likely about how to keep me at home, I kept getting dressed. I started to get my sneakers on, grabbed my raincoat with the magical nipple cream in one pocket, and opened our apartment door. They were fast behind me. I remember the doula being impressed that I took the stairs to exit our building, but at that point, I was so far gone to Laborland that I didn't even realize our building had an elevator. Jay had rented a vehicle with Dollar Thrifty for the weekend, as we weren't sure how long labor would take. Turns out he rented it for the perfect amount of time two days. Our doula was going to follow us in her car. I decided to crawl into the back seat. I kept my knees on the seat and clutched at the headrest, facing backwards, essentially kneeling. I could see my reflection in the side and rearview mirror, and my bun had exploded into a hair bomb on the top of my head with at least three thick rat tails hanging down my neck. It barely registered with me that I likely looked insane to anyone driving next to our car. Beside me was an empty infant car seat. It didn't occur to me to connect the pain I was in with a baby at this point. That the next time I would be in this vehicle would be with our little guy in that seat. At this point, I couldn't quite grasp things. Nothing seemed to make sense. Objects were strange. There were no connections. There were only contractions. The one time I got angry at Jay during our entire 30 hours, 48 if you consider I didn't sleep before going into labor, was on that drive to the hospital. Poor guy was taking corners quickly, then slowing down, and then squealing the tires. It was raining, then stopping suddenly at red lights. I squeezed the headrest and yelled into the rear window, Jesus Christ, learn how to fucking drive. Ironic, because I, in fact, need to learn how to fucking drive. But, in my defense, my contractions were only a few minutes apart and a few minutes long. I was in a great deal of pain, all of it new, and I could feel each pebble we drove over and every sharp turn seemed to incite the fury of the next contraction. Jay parked and I had no idea how I was going to climb out of the backseat of the RAV. I didn't want to move, I didn't want to needlessly provoke the machete bowling ball tornado. 
So climbing out of the back seat of that SUV was an exercise in feeling like my entire groin area was going to break apart into a hundred shards of sharp metal and then re-enter the rest of my body quickly, painfully. I climbed out backwards on my hands and knees. I put both hands on the wet pavement with my ass in the air. I had no idea how I would stand up. That's when I witnessed a fellow, very pregnant woman and her partner, calmly park, her getting out of the front passenger seat as though she was going grocery shopping. She was in a cute matching pink leisure suit and had a bag over her shoulder and her hair was in a well-kept ponytail. She would stop every few steps to hold the side of her belly, made not a noise, and went through the delivery doors unassisted. Meanwhile, I was clutching the wet pavement with both hands thinking about letting my knees join them. I figured my best shot at getting through those delivery doors was by crawling. Instead, Jay, or was it the doula, helped my hands off the pavement and I started to walk like Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson on ether. It was a very slow, deliberate, low-to-the-ground, gravity shuffle walk. My body just wanted to be on the ground, but I pushed it to move towards the hospital doors. I could not understand what the admittance nurse needed of me. She was very kind and smiling and talking to me, but I was so far away from her I couldn't make out what she was saying, although physically I could reach out and touch her shoulder. Luckily, she allowed Jay to fill in everything and sign for me. I was holding onto the backs of chairs, trying to noiselessly breathe through being shit-kicked because in my blackout drunk state, I thought, holy shit, mama, don't fuck us. You better come across as an easy, friendly, nice patient so that the night nurses will be on your side. They have access to drugs. They administer the catheters. They need to like you. And so I would bend in half, White knuckle the back of a chair with a crazy smile glued to my face. Think Heath Ledger's The Joker. As I contracted. The desire to be liked and consequently in good hands was almost as strong as my contractions. Then it was time to go in an assessment room. I was happy for this. I wasn't nervous as the surroundings were so familiar to me because of my previous fetal monitoring. I knew exactly where the bathroom was. Knowing where a bathroom is at all times can really calm me down. And this is the first time I saw the midwife on duty. I had never met her before, and she was perfect. Her last name was Comfort. Yes, that's right, Comfort. Comfort was her last name. She was a fellow Maritimer. She was young. She exuded competence, compassion, enthusiasm. And when she slid the assessment room curtain over, I locked eyes with her and said, am I ever glad to see you? It was an intense sentiment and heartfelt, and this took her back a beat, but she smiled. It was like in that moment, our uteruses became friends. She congratulated me on slugging out so much of my labor at home, but little did we know, I had a lot more to slug out here. She asked me to try and go pee and bring back my underwear, which were soaked. Jay came with me into the tiny bathroom to help get them off. I barely peed. When she got them, she examined them closely, even sniffed them. And I thought, oh man, this experience will be televised. Out the window went any grip on privacy I thought I had. My body and its happenings were no longer mine. Imagine being in the worst pain of your life in public. That's what it felt like but I was in this thing with my midwife whose last name was Comfort. 
And if I had to be in this thing, I wanted to be in this thing with her. There was no one else I trusted more. All that trust coming from locking eyes for only about three seconds. Although soaked, my underwear were clear. She couldn't tell if I had peed myself or if I was leaking fluid. Either way, the fact that there was no blood or discoloration was a good sign. She gave me hospital underwear to put on, which I in turn gave to Jay, who shoved them into my coat pocket next to the nipple cream. Who was she kidding? I couldn't maneuver underwear on at this time. (laughs) Then came the moment I had been secretly waiting for, plotting for, magically anticipating. It didn't matter that I didn't transfer spirits with that corgi dog because I knew I had an ace up my sleeve. I knew that in a matter of moments, I'd be whisked away to the OR and that this unbearable solo weight of giving birth would momentarily be alleviated. Yep, that's right. I was gunning for a C-section and the Boeing 747 that was going to jet me there was my incredibly high blood pressure. Of course, let me say... A cesarean birth in many ways is a much harder birth and it's not a way out. But in my magical drunken labor thinking, it was the answer. The midwife gently wrapped the blood pressure cuff around my upper right arm, placed a stethoscope in the crook of my elbow, then watched a clock. I was giddy. In my mind, I was actually telling my pressure, up, 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 up. A far cry from all the times I was trying to will it down, 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 down over the past few months. She said, 122 over 75. Way to go, mama. And she took off the cuff. And I said, no. And she said, no, that's good. That's a really good reading. And I said, no. And likely she thought I misunderstood her. So she said something like, I I know you've had high blood pressure in the past few weeks. And that's scary. I read your chart. But this time you got a good one. Even better than average. You are in no danger. And I panted, check it again. For two darn months, I was getting readings like 145 over 88 or 154 over 90. And now at 24 fucking hours of labor, my heart decides to give me a 122 over 75. You've got to be fucking kidding me. She obliged, checked it again, and then told me winking that I had a blood pressure reading as good as an athlete. And like the botched attempt at transferring spirits with the corgi dog... My hope of being whisked away to the OR was gone. And aside, my ego did sneak in there because there was half a moment where I was impressed that my body, aka heart, treated labor like I was sitting on a couch watching Seinfeld, rather than freak out like I was sprinting on a tightrope over crocodiles. It's kind of amazing that it was like, meh, we're barely breaking a sweat over here. We got this. But... The quote, worst news was yet to come. The main purpose of the assessment room is to measure how much your cervix is dilated and how far along in labor you are. If you are dilated under four centimeters, they can turn you away. Can you imagine? Oh, I figured I was about eight or nine centimeters dilated, at least. My whole body was convulsing with each contraction and my insides felt like they were being shredded by a machete tornado. I had to be close to delivering this kid. Turns out, I was only halfway there. I was five centimeters dilated. That's it. Five lousy fucking centimeters. This is when I made a fatal mistake. I did labor math. If it took me over 21 hours to get to five centimeters, that would mean 
it could take me over 42 hours to get to 10. Which, P.S., is wrong. In labor, things can go from 0 to 100 in less than 20 minutes, but I didn't know that. And so I was thinking that it would take me 42 hours to be fully dilated, and that's not counting the hours it would take to push. In prenatal class, they taught us that about one and a half to three hours is an average time for a first-time mom to push. I looked at our doula. She had been right. I was nowhere near having this baby. I said to her, oh my God, only five centimeters? Then I whispered, I I can't do this. She squeezed my hand, but her face grimaced with me. She helped me pull my sweatpants up over my bare ass. As I got off the assessment table, I felt my first wave of despair come over me. The fluorescent lights of the hospital seemed otherworldly, accentuated by the hush of night. I heard a nurse say someone was nine centimeters dilated, and I wondered if it was the woman who came in just before me who had barely made a whimper. I was in too much pain to compare myself to her or to feel like I failed at labor, thank God. It wouldn't be till a few days later when my hormones dropped and breastfeeding was like finding myself in a heavyweight championship fight with no training or gloves. Then the shitty side of my mind would fill in this detail about her perfect behavior slash control versus my wild-eyed Hunter S. Thompson grunt, walk, and crawl. I braced for a contraction. The nurses were still conferring on who would be overseeing my birth. I'm sure I was a tough call, as I'd be a long-haul patient, only five centimeters in, a first-time mom, I requested a midwife rather than a doctor, and was smiling like Heath Ledger's The Joker. On the other hand, I was very friendly and positive, and not screaming or bellowing yet. Man, they'd better make up their minds soon, as I was this close to dropping to my hands and knees right there on the floor. I didn't care if polio was on that hospital floor. The stabbing machete bowling ball ricocheting within me was about to knock me down. Despair is an awful thing. I knew I wouldn't make it to 42 hours before pushing, but I didn't have the space or words to tell the people around me what I was thinking. Instead, it seemed like nobody else was even alarmed that I hadn't slept, been in labor an entire day, and was nowhere near delivering this baby. And my Woody Allen bullhorn went into overdrive deep in my mind. I I can't do this, it kept saying. I can't do this. There's no way a baby could survive this pain, let alone me. How's the baby even doing this? And why are they leaving me standing here like an idiot watching them draw straws and who's going to have to work with me? It's like I'm the last person picked for the fucking volleyball team. Just pick me already. This isn't the time to do paperwork, y'all. And where the fuck are the drugs? My mind put that bullhorn down. Aha! That was my last secret plot. The last ace up my sleeve. Trading spirits with a corgi didn't work. Taking hot showers and meditating didn't get me out of this. Getting rushed to the OR because my high blood pressure was a no-go. But maybe I could get my mitts on some drugs. Hot Vomit. A Ferrochrome podcast.